Do you know that Jesus can be found throughout the book of Genesis? Or that specific details about the meaning of his life, crucifixion, resurrection, and mission is also laid out with such definitive examples, it simply defies human logic? Do you also know the meaning of why Scripture indicates the devil will bruise the heel of Jesus? Or why the New Testament Scriptures refer to Jesus as the second Adam? Join us now as we share the vast richness of the gospel as seen throughout the pages of this first Old Testament book as we break down the interpretation of Moses' new Jesus, the gospel in Genesis. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello and good day, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, Today is, is... I think is is going to be an awesome topic. Uh, it's essential to to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called Moses knew Jesus, and what do I mean by that, and why is that important? Uh, it's widely understood that Moses was the author, or at least penned the book of Genesis under inspiration of Holy Spirit, as well as uh, the following four books of the Old Testament combined, known as the Torah in Hebrew. Uh, so uh, Jesus himself also referred to Moses and the prophets uh, during his ministry uh, on, on the earth as he was proclaiming the good news. And, and I believe you will see a direct correlation. I believe, in my opinion, uh, that the book of Genesis and the Gospels go hand in hand, that we'll see uh, throughout uh, numerous symbols, uh, uh, signs, I believe that, and I, and I hope that you'll You'll see this and bear witness, and I and I think I'm going to show you some things that uh, are, are pretty important in, in terms of uh, ministering the good news. So, so, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're if you're a Christian, there is an abundance of, of information here in the Book of Genesis, as well as many of the Old Testament, if not all of the Old Testament books, uh, con- concerning the gospel. So, we're going to look into that. We're going to break that down. And I think it's essential for for witnessing and for uh, sharing the good news of Jesus, and, and and hopefully you'll be able to bear witness with me. Um, but before I begin, I'm going to ask a favor of you. Please hit the like and the subscribe button that's in front of you on the graphic. Ring the bell. Uh, as, as, as always, just helps us get the information out there, helps us get up on the various search engines. Um, so that really uh, not only helps, you know, in YouTube and some of the other platforms, but also it helps us engage in social media. If you could, if you can see us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, you know, whatever you can do in terms of engaging uh, with us, it's it's very, very much appreciated. And, and the mission is, is to engage others and to share the good news. So if you could, I'd appreciate that as well as jump on our email list. You'll, uh, you'll receive emails about upcoming topics and presentations. And I'll just very quickly say, We've got a very special presentation coming up on September 11th. We're going to be doing a live online Zoom uh, gathering. If you want to email russicoutlook at gmail.com, we'll send you the link and the password. The first topic that we're going to be doing uh, or covering, I should say, is the certainty or the absolute proof of of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we'll get into a lot of the history, the common sense, uh, uh, well, a whole, whole bunch of areas. And I, I'm not going to break all that down now, but please, if you could, four o'clock Eastern uh, on September 11th. And then the following Saturday, we're going to be doing a study on the glory of God. It's interactive. You have questions, comments, prayer, it's all involved. So 
enough of that. Please jump on our email list. But let's get into Moses knew Jesus, finding the gospel of Jesus Christ in the book of Genesis. So if you're following me on video, I'm going to go to Luke 24, 13, 27 on your right hand side. I am calling this the Old Testament gospel. Uh, this is about Jesus after he uh, was crucified and he has just started to uh, show himself. And uh, here it's called the road to uh, EMS. And what, what's happening is Jesus appears to uh, some of the people and he's listening. Uh, and I'm going to pick it up from verse 15 uh, or verse 14. And they walked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. He said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another? You, as, as you are walking and you're sad. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? As if he didn't know. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were, this is important here, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. So there you see that they looked at him as the Messiah. They looked at him as the one who was going to redeem their land. And on the third day, he is resurrected and he's appeared to them, but they don't know it's Jesus. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tune early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they have also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, in him they did not see. Now, this is important. Uh, Jesus replies right here, O foolish ones, O slow of heart to believe in all, the pro in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them to, to all the scriptures concerning himself. So what is he doing here? He's pointing to Moses. He's pointing to the prophets. He's pointing to the Old Testament concerning the things of himself. So in other words, he's saying that the things that the prophets wrote about in the Old Testament, and Moses being one of them, Moses being the first prophet that we can record, um, uh, that that everything that they were writing, not everything, but most things they were writing about pointed to Jesus. So he's saying, if you listened, if you read the scriptures, and if you knew me, or if you were familiar with what I was doing, then you would know that I am the Christ. So I, I guess what I wanted to lay here is the importance of the foundation from Jesus' perspective to his uh, followers or potential followers that they must heed the Old Testament scriptures and listen. I'm going to flip it now, Acts 17, 5, 6. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. They gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. So they were, uh, you know, they were uh, looking for Jason and these people. And why? When they found them, at, when they found them not, they drew Jason 
and, and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city. So they find, I'm sorry, they, I should have explained this better. They found Jason and not the others they were looking for, which would have been uh, potentially, you know, more of the, uh, of the disciples. But this is what I wanted to uh, emphasize here. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So in other words, these followers of Jesus Christ, these disciples of Jesus Christ, and, and these people, are, they're not believers, and they're, they're kind of, they're more than upset. They're, they're appears to be furious uh, that they want to draw him out. And they're accusing him of turning the world upside down. How did they turn the world upside down? Jesus is now crucified and resurrected, but they're turning the world upside down. And this is where I, I, I want to go as a foundation, if you will. So they were using the scriptures. I'm going to read Luke 24, 32. Didn't our hearts burn with us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So he's, he's laying that foundation of the importance of the scriptures here. And that Jesus was walking with them, talking with them, meeting in the synagogues, teaching in the synagogues and always referring to the Old Testament scriptures. Why is that important? Well, the only scriptures that Jesus could use was the Old Testament Hebrew. New Testament wasn't written yet. There was no Greek New Testament. It would be decades uh, before this would be written. And I'm saying this because oftentimes, and I am certainly, you know, I don't want to say guilty, but I do this. You certainly use the Gospels of Jesus. You use the New Testament. You point people to the New Testament. But I think there are times where the church and, and maybe others, we miss the beauty and the richness and the vastness and the depth of the Old Testament. And this is exactly what Jesus and his disciples used. They used the Old Testament. Paul, you know, he, he was Jewish. He knew the Old Testament inside and out. This is what he used as, as, as a basis for explaining to people that, that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm going to go to Acts 3, 18 through 26. I'm going to really, let me just jump down here. Um, no, let me read it. I'm sorry. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, that he has fulfilled. Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven received until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Then it goes on to say, For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise you up as a prophet like me from your brethren. Him shall you hear in all things whoever he, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people." So, again, the importance of what the prophets are speaking, what Moses was saying, and, and, and certainly, you know, the, the remainder of, of the Old Testament. But I'm, what I'm, you know, hopefully I'm getting across here as a foundation before I get into the book of Genesis, that we, that the importance of the uh, book of the Old Testament, the words of the Old Testament were crucial, were vital towards the preaching of the gospel while Jesus was walking the earth. And shortly thereafter, uh, um, from, from the you know his disciples and the apostles and so forth. 
So now let's get into Genesis. Let's see if we can find the gospel in Genesis. And I say you find it right in the beginning. First three words of Genesis is the first three words of the gospel of John. Uh, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, John 1, uh, that's Genesis 1. Uh, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it goes on to say later, the Word became flesh. So the first words in Genesis are essential to the good news. In order to receive, trust, and have hope in the gospel, we must embrace God the Creator. Jesus the Messiah is about the business of fulfilling the words of the prophets from creation on forward. Mark thirteen nineteen. this is Jesus speaking. For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created, unto this time neither shall be. So Jesus is pointing to the importance of the Creator, the importance of the creation, and that, that He be given the glory and, and the rooted is the foundation of, of love and everything that we know and aspire and hope for is found in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it goes, it must start from the beginning. You know, the world right now is, is puzzled. What happened in the beginning? Uh, you know, they're, they're looking for answers and, you know, the, the evolution of cosmology and the heavens and the stars. And they've got this, these theory, well, they, they don't call them theories. They, they refer to it as facts, but uh, I, I shouldn't go there. But at, at any rate, they're, you know, they're pointing to 15, 20 billion years and they admit something exploded and, and, and whatnot, but they don't know how to justify it or rationalize it. it. It just doesn't make any sense on any level that they can do everything that they're doing is a theory or trying to express it that way. But at any rate, I'm trying to say right there in the beginning of Genesis and you have in the beginning of the Gospels. So Mark ten six. but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. That's Jesus speaking. So what happened in the beginning, and I'm going to make some assumptions here to, to you, the audience, even if you're not a Christian, you're familiar with Adam and Eve, you're familiar with the sin in the garden. So God created humankind to live with us in fellowship. So he, you know, we are made in the image of God. We were made for, for a, a perfect destiny to be living with him. But when Adam and Eve broke his commandment, this perfect relationship was shattered. It was just broken in pieces. How is this done? Satan did this through temptation and deception. And this is what he does. He uses a mixture of lies and truth. He kind of blends them. And we see this throughout the world today. They'll take a little bit of truth and a little bit of their own agenda, and they'll try to blend it. Um, so this is really what he did. Satan did not deny God's existence with Eve or, or the reality. He, he, he readily acknowledged it. How do we know that? He told Eve that if she ate of the tree of uh, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which God forbid, she would become like God, knowing good and evil. So really very similar to Satan's own sin. He wanted to become like God. So now he dangles the carrot in front of her or, or the apple or the grape. I think it's a grape. I don't think it's an apple. Uh, another subject. But, but he, he tempts her into following the same aspirations that he, in fact, did, which was true. And, you know, people go, what do, what do you mean that's true? So let me read you Genesis 3.22. 
And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. So it's not, you're not on the plane of God, but you're like God in the sense that now you've been exposed, you understand, or you've got a, 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 um, yeah, I guess understanding would be the best way to explain it of good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So, you know, from, from that point on, God recognized that something had, well, he knew this was coming, but something had to be done. So for redemption to take, take place, God would need to conquer death and become like man. And he did so by dying in our place. And I'm going to go on to show you throughout the Gospels, I mean, throughout Genesis, that we see this. So Romans 5 says, death through Adam, you have life through Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So there's your 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 New Testament reference to Adam, that, that sin brought death, but by Christ we come spiritually alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Jesus is often called the second or the last Adam. Adam was created in a perfect world. Remember, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and and I'm a, let, let, let's just say he, he put him into the Garden of Eden with all things being perfect. Uh, he had already at that point cast, cast down Satan. So Adam was created in this perfect world, but because of the fall, uh, and, and, and not only of man, but this caused sin for all of creation. So this, this not only devastated the spiritual life of man and woman, it devastated all of creation. But when Jesus became man and he led that sinless life, he took the place of Adam. He became the second Adam. He became what Adam should have been or could have been. Now I'm going to Keep going, and, and I, I believe you'll find some very interesting uh, similarities here or some, some comparisons with, with Genesis leading into the crucifixion. So when sin entered the world, everything fell in the blink of an eye. It was just not, as soon as you sin and you, you stain the creation, that's it. You flip the script. The Garden of Eden, which was the real paradise on earth, now is off limits. It's off limits to man. Human disobedience brought this on by the sin of temptation of Satan, and it affected all of creation. But immediately, God provides the good news. So I find this very interesting. Genesis 3, 8, and this is after the sin, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from among the presence of the Lord God among the trees of, of the garden. So number one, the Lord God is walking. So Adam and Eve had the ability to walk and talk with the Lord. And I'll show you that that, in fact, is Jesus. Uh, I want to just, I want to, and the reason I'm saying it's Jesus, if you go to Exodus 33:20, it says, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. That's the father. So you can't see God and live. And, you know, so many accounts of that with Moses in the burning bush and, and, and having to look away as God passed by. But with Jesus, he could, we, he could be seen face to face. So the word became flesh. So that's why we know Jesus was in the garden in, in the book of Genesis. 
But what did God do? How? What? What happened? They clothed them. God, when God, what God did is He clothed them with sacrificed or sacri- sacrificed animal skins. So right away, a sacrifice was established because remember, they clothed themselves with animal skins, so that covered their sin, so to speak. And, and I'm and I'm just drawing an analogy there. But I, what I am saying is that there must be a sacrifice. So right away, that's established early on in the book of Genesis. Now we're going to go to Genesis 3, 14, 15. This is really the very first prophecy in the Bible. So the Lord God said to the serpent, and really he's gathering the three of them, meaning Satan, Adam, and Eve, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So this all often, I got a little confused by this for, for a while. And, 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 I, and I see where it's going now. And hopefully, you know, maybe you know this, but I think some of you may not. So Jesus, I think most people would know, is the seed of the woman. He will ultimately bruise the devil's head after the devil bruises his heel. Well, what, what does that mean? So uh, upon careful studies and, and understanding the crucifixion and, and how that is carried out, at a cruci- as a crucifixion victim fights for air, remember he's, you know, he's being nailed to the cross, he is forced to push up on his feet so in order to take each breath. So if you picture yourself on that cross, you're kind of pushing yourself up to get that breath of air into your lung. Uh, that means you have to push your way forward. So just think of yourself. Picture yourself nailed on the cross or on a cross, and you're trying to breathe. What do you naturally do? You naturally push yourself up. You naturally protrude from what you would see would be would be the cross. And as you do, you're pushing your full weight upward on one heel as the feet are nailed together. Because a crucifixion victim has one heel pushed to the cross, not both heels, just the one heel is pushed to the cross, that bears a tremendous amount of weight on that one heel. And we know now that the heel of that one foot that's pushing up is badly bruised. So sure enough, you know, the Lord, you know, obviously the Lord knew this. So this is how Jesus's heel was bruised, but that, you know, he crushed the devil's head through the crucifixion and the resurrection. So there again, another point where you're seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ right there at the very, very first prophecy uh, that, 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 that's spoken out or that's, that's written down. Now I'm going to flip to another obvious, just blows me away, this one. Um, this has to do with uh, the book of, of Noah. Everybody knows about Noah's flood. And then it names the 10 generations from Adam to Noah. This is all laid out in, in, in the book of Genesis. You have Adam, Seth, Enos, Canaan, uh, Malahiel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. What the meanings are, if you bring all of these together, is uh, Adam means, and if you're following me on video, I have this here, but Adam means man, Seth appointed, Enos, mortal, Canaan, sorrow, Mahalalel, blessed God, Jared shall come down, Enoch, teaching, Methuselah, his death brings, Lamech, despairing, and Noah means rest. 
if you put all of those together, this is what it spells out. Man is appointed a mortal sorrow, but and I'm, I'm inserting the word but here, but a blessed God shall come down teaching his death brings despairing rest. So the whole gospel is laid out in the meaning of the first 10 generations uh, or that, that is described in the book of Genesis. So here you've got the gospel right there. Man, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but a blessed God shall come down. Teaching his death brings despairing rest. Praise God. And for those of you who may not still believe in the ark or, you know, if that is true, I just wanted to point out that Jesus certainly believed in Noah. Uh, Luke seventeen twenty six, and it was in the days of Noah, so it shall also be in the days of the Son of Man. Matthew twenty four thirty eight. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So Jesus knew Noah, knew what happened there, and he references that. So that's very important as well. Then I'm going to flip over to Genesis 14, 18 here. Then Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of the God Most High. So, <clears throat> you know, many of you I'm sure are familiar with communion, bread and wine, um, but here you see Melchizedek is the, both a king and a high priest. And what does he do? He brings out bread and wine. And we see this again through the Gospels. I can, uh, I'm going to point you out several. Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Mark 6 through 30. John 2, 1 through 11. And 6, 1 through 14. So remember, you know, especially, uh, you know, this is often referred to if you ever take communion. Uh, and if, I strongly recommend you do uh, as often as you can in, in remembrance of the Lord. Um but, you know, this is, if, if you remember in, in the upper room, this is what Jesus did. He gathered them. He gathered uh, the bread and the wine, and he broke it as a symbol of his body and his blood that would be uh, laid up on the cross. So here you go back to Genesis 14, and we see the king and high priest using the bread and the wine. Next, I'm going to go to a story that I believe, uh, an account, I should say, of uh, Abraham with his son, uh um, Isaac, where he, he, God instructs him that he would be used as a sacrifice. Abraham obeys, but God intercedes at the last second. And again, I'm sure many of you are familiar, uh, but, I, but I've laid this out here. This is, you can find this in uh, Genesis 22. I, I've highlighted some important scriptures here. Um, well, here, I'll, I'll read it from the beginning right now. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So, you know, you, you see that right there, his only son, and God knows he, that Abraham loves him, uh, but he's asking for that sacrifice. And Isaac's, you know, as they're going to the mountain and Isaac's doing as his father instructs him to. Um, and he says to, the, to Abraham, you know, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I believe this is another prophetic sign here in verse 8. My, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. 
And, you know, many of you know that, that Jesus is known as the Lamb of God. He is, he is the, law, the offering. So what I take out of this anyway is that Abraham is, is so uh, full of faith that he believes that God will either intercede or will bring him back to life. Uh, he believes that God will provide that, that sacrificial lamb offering. He has that faith in God. And, and this foretells what the Lamb of God will be coming. And how do we know that? Because then if you see, you know, how the Lord intercedes, go, jumping down to verse 11 in the yellow highlight, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. And so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket of its, by its thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, the, the Lord will provide, as it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord will provide. So there's, uh, there's, the Lord is also known as Jehovah Jireh, uh, or Jehovah Jireh. Uh, that, that's the Lord will provide. So you know, the Lord has provided the perfect sacrifice for us for the atonement of our sins. But there we see another clear evidence, uh, you know, of the gospel right there in, in, in this account of uh, Abraham and his only son being willing to make that sacrifice. Now I'd like to show you in, in Genesis 28, this is the story of, of Jacob's ladder and, and again, I'm, I, I know many are familiar with this, but I really believe this points to an obvious uh, uh, signpost, I'm going to call it, to, to the gospel. So Genesis 28, 12 through 15. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and it reached its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land of which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread aboard to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed of all your families, the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back and forth to this land for I will not leave until I have done what I have spoken to you. So here you see the, you know, the ladder going up and down, up and down. And the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, how in, in Genesis and the Tower of Babel, how Nimrod led the people to try to build this tower to, to ascend uh, to the heavens above the stars. He, that, as though there was just a one-way trip to get there. And to me, this ascending and descending is very, very obvious. This shows that humankind comes not by climbing upwards to God. In other words, we can't go to God on our own, but God likens himself to a relationship, so he comes down to earth. Just as Jesus came to earth and walked with Adam, so it is that God comes down to earth in the form of the Holy Spirit and lives and works in us and, and resides in us. So just as Jesus would do in becoming man, as a descendant of Jacob. That's important too. Jesus is a, a natural flesh descendant of Jacob. The second reason is, if you go to John one fifty one, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, most assuredly, I say to you, 
Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So even uh, Jesus is, is making reference to this in the Gospels, bringing us back to Genesis. And then the third point is, this hints that believers were made to live in a perfect earth. This is the earth that we should have been in with Adam. Or, uh, yeah, and one that is connected to heaven and is a part of the kingdom of God. So that's how it was in the beginning. When God created the heaven and the earth, uh, you know, it, it was one. You had that ability to, and, you know, there's accounts for this where Lucifer was able to go into the the, the third heaven, if you will, but also was on the earth. Um, this is a part of the kingdom of God, where and, and this ultimately will be where Jesus will rule and reign uh, when he returns for the thousand-year millennial reign. So we will have that uh, as close to perfection as you can get uh, when Jesus comes and, and what I say gives the earth a complete makeover. Uh, but, but again, this is more accounts of the gospel in the book of Genesis. Finally, I want to bring you to the story of Joseph. And I know most people are, uh, are familiar with Joseph, how he was uh, taken by his brothers and, and, and sold and, and just, just horrendous, horrendous things. But I believe that there's a definite correlation to the story of Joseph if you compare it to the story of Jesus. If you're following me on video, I've given you some things to do direct comparisons to. But uh, you just remember that Jesus was unrecognized as the Messiah. Here he was. He had fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies, as we talked about, as we mentioned here in, in this book. But he was rejected by, by his own people. Uh, by by the uh, uh, by the Jewish high priests by the, by the people in that land the Pharisees the Sadducees the, you know uh, uh, all of them um, he was imprisoned unjustly he was killed and he was cast into a tomb Joseph was was thrown into a pit he was imprisoned and unjustly uh, eventually he was risen and given great prominence and you know when he did. Uh, you know, his family came to him in need of food because of the famine and because he was dressed and, and, you know, they hadn't seen him in many years and he looked like an Egyptian because he had taken that role. But he recognized his brothers. And instead of condemning them and coming after him, what does he do? He does as Jesus does. He forgives them. Just as Jesus forgave uh, the criminal on the cross where, where, where he was crucified with two others and he offered forgiveness and he said on this day you will be with me in paradise right away joseph offers forgiveness joseph said to his brothers come near to me i pray you and they came near and he said i am joseph your brother who you sold to egypt but don't be grieved don't be angry with yourselves you sold me but god sent me to preserve your life so just as you know we we are uh I, I am, you know, horrified at times when I think of the things that Jesus went through, but he needed to do that where God used what was evil and he turned it around and he used it for good. So uh, the, the comparisons that I see here, and I'm pointing this out on a, on, on a video slide, that with Joseph, he made claims about who he was and people hated him. Remember when he was talking about his dream and touted himself um, and then, I, I, you know, I, I would just say he had a dysfunctional family and it probably wasn't the smartest thing to 
you know, proclaim that dream at the time. But he, Jesus made claims about who he was and how people hated him. Uh, Joseph suffered because others hated him. Jesus suffered because others hated him. And I give you the scriptures here uh, to bear this out as well. Uh, love, and, and he offered forgiveness to his brothers. Jesus offered love and forgiveness to everyone. Every person on the earth has the opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. He offered a great place, Jesus, with Joseph, he offered his family a great place to live in, in, in Egypt. Jesus offers us a great place to live in heaven. That uh, He goes to his father's house and prepares many mansions for us. Joseph took care of the physical needs right there. And Jesus takes care of our spiritual needs. Joseph suffered evil that God meant for good. And Jesus suffered evil that God meant for good. So, you know, again, I have those scriptures there if you want to check this out on video. And finally, I, I, I find this, intro, well, it, I, I think this is the ultimate proclamation of the gospel in Genesis 49.10. The scepter, which is another word for peacemaker, shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So there are other things you can point to. Um, Jesus coming down uh, um, with Abraham and, and, you know, the account of the, th of the three, which was the two angels. And remember, Abraham calls him Lord, uh, you know, the, the, the Joseph's coat. And there's just so much. There's, there's just so much more. But I wanted to give you a good framework. I wanted to plant a solid foundation in the book of Genesis. This is why I say Moses knew Jesus in the sense that he was able to write down the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, before it actually physically manifested in the book of Genesis. And I believe that you see the gospel throughout every Old Testament book. And as time goes on, I, I hope to be able to bring these out in future studies. Uh, because remember, the Jesus Christ referred to the Old Testament, used the Old Testament when he preached, when his disciples and apostles preached and shared the good news they would often have to go to the scriptures of the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophets. So hopefully you, you, you see the richness and the vastness uh, of, of not only the book of Genesis, but the entire Old Testament. So sometimes you may find things hard to read or hard to understand, but, you know, go at it. Just the Lord will show you. And, and you know, most of the Bibles you'll see references, cross-references, uh, that will point you to New Testament scriptures and so forth and New Testament to Old Testament. Uh, it's the most fascinating and incredible book on earth. It's why it's been the number one bestseller for all time, despite what they won't put it into the Amazon or New York Times bestseller. But it is, in fact, it, the reason they won't is because every year it is the bestseller. Uh, it, it's just an incredible book. So, you know, I'm just going to leave on the note of hopefully encouraging you to delve more into the Old Testament, just as Jesus did, just as his disciples did. And uh, for those of you who may not be a believer or you may be a skeptic, I strongly encourage you to please seek the Lord, ask him to show himself to you. I promise you he will. That's all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I hear, you know, or I've, I've heard or I understand that you may exist. Please show yourself to me. Please make yourself real to me. Uh, and he will. I, I, I promise you there's... He'll do it in his own fashion according to you and your situation. And and just, you know, but it, if you can, go to a Bible-believing church in your area. 
you have any further questions, comments, please email me at rusticoutlook at gmail.com. Any prayer requests, happy to take that. I am happy to do whatever I can to help. Uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed this, uh, you know, th- th- this, this time and understanding, again, the beauty of the Old Testament and the book of Genesis. So uh, my name is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.